Hi, I'm Erin Marcus, former corporate executive turned entrepreneur and founder and CEO of Conquer Your Business. Welcome to the Ready Yet podcast. We're excited to bring you more than 100 episodes of interviews and insights designed to help entrepreneurs get the financial and emotional freedom they need in order to build a business and a life they're proud of. Welcome, welcome to this episode of the Ready Yet podcast. I am excited for you guys to hear the conversation with my guest today, Erin Austin, because first of all, there's another Erin. Yay. I grew up, we had a whole conversation about not having anything monogrammed when we were children. So um, we'll spare you those details, but I'm really excited about this conversation because um, first, love hearing people's entrepreneurial journey, but also what you focus on, in my opinion, is so important. I watch, I watch person after person work so hard to build their brand, to do all the things that scares them, to put all the hard work in it, only to find out later someone else has that business name and you can't use it anymore. Yes, yes. So do not let that happen. <laughs> do not let that happen. So before we go way into the weeds on all this, why don't you give everyone a little more formal introduction to who you are and what you do? Oh, thank you, Aaron. So I'm Aaron Austin, and I am a lawyer. I've been practicing law for 30 years. I'm allowed to say that. And uh, I have been in the intellectual property space um, for the last 20 of those years. Uh, basically, by happenstance, I started in the film business. And oh, wow. since then, yeah, I've continued to work with other IP-driven uh, industries like market research and publishing and data. And so, um, so Basically, now I work with service-based business, people whose inventory is their intellect or their expertise. Oh, I love it. You have a good catch line. (laughs) And your inventory is your intellect. That's fantastic. Yeah, but we want to make sure you own that inventory, right? And so I work with experts to make sure that they are identifying protecting and leveraging their expertise through intellectual property-based revenue streams. Love it. Love it. Okay. Let's back up a little bit. (laughs) When you say film industry, because one of the things that I tell people my, from my corporate life, different States have different approaches to their intellectual property, to what you, what they are and are not worried about. And it's often driven by what types of businesses mm. are in those states, right? So for example, in Illinois, it is virtually impossible to win a non-compete case. Mm. They mm-hmm. don't care. Mm-hmm. It's not that it, they just don't care. Mm-hmm. It's a right to work state do your thing. We don't want to be involved. Right? Right. <laughs> I call Illinois the business prevention state as it is like they don't care. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned film in- industry. So I know that California works extremely different. So is that your version of film industry or? Yeah, yeah, I wasn't. I was at Warner Brothers and uh, a company, an independent film business that was bought by Lionsgate. Wow. And so, yes. So my point of view on that is from the film industry, the, the major motion picture film industry. And uh, yes, you know, California hates non-competes as well. And so you pretty much I mean, unless you sell your business and you're trying to compete directly with a buyer, you know, that's pretty much the only circumstance that that California will enforce a non-compete. 
Um, there seems to be definitely a trend against uh, non-competes. Yeah. Um, you know, just recently, I think just the other day, I'm outside of Washington, D.C., uh, Washington, D.C. Um, passed a non-compete bill, like an anti Really? No. Yes. That's, you know, so that's really, before we even get into intellectual property, I think that's really important. Um, I'm a big believer in abundance. I'm also a big believer in knowing there's very few people that will put as much effort into something as I will. Mm -hmm. And yet I watch a lot of people not hire because they're scared the person that they hire is going to learn something and then try and run and do it themselves. Right. Right. That does happen a lot. I'm personally anti non-compete because I think, you know, other than that circumstance, obviously if you sell your business, you shouldn't go across the street. Yes, exactly. That's not okay. (laughs) But when you're an employee, um, there are all sorts of things to protect. I mean, we should be having all of our employees sign employment agreements that include um, uh, uh, provisions regarding the ownership of the things that they create there. Yeah. And, and it should include, you know, perhaps, you know, non-solicitation provisions regarding don't steal all my clients, don't steal right. my other employees. And obviously you're going to have uh, you know, confidentiality provision. So everything that you learn, all the proprietary information that you learn in the course of your job, even if you created it in the course of your job, it stays with your employer. That's their intellectual property. You don't own it. You don't have any rights to use it. But other than that, you should be able to go to another employer. You shouldn't be unable to, to get use, another good job. To get another job. I mean, right. uh, you know, absolutely. Uh, and so you, absolutely. you shouldn't have to move across the country either, you know, depending to on do this. Right. And it's interesting, though, in the entrepreneurial world, because unfortunately, a lot of, you know, it's not uncommon for entrepreneurs to be struggling for money. And you start to think about, well, I created it. Well, you created it. And then on top of it, too many entrepreneurs are treating their business as something, well, I'm just going to try to do this thing, especially women or I'm just, it's just me and my little efforts over here. Mm -hmm. But if you're a graphic designer, if you're a content writer, who owns the work? Mm -hmm. Well, it depends on contracts. And so, yeah. So intellectual property can only be transferred by contracts. And so the default is that the human being who created it owns it. So mm-hmm. if you- And how scary someone, is that? It is. You know, you hire someone, you say, you know, I have my new business. This is, you know, I've sketched out this logo and this is, and can you turn this into something? And you hire someone, you pay them, but there's no contract in place. Guess who owns that beautiful logo? So that's why it is so tremendously important. And it, and the other thing I talk about with contracts, and, and so a little bit, I'll back up for you because I don't know if you know this. My background is in commercial real estate. It's in long-term care insurance and the corporate side of things. Like mm-hmm. there was nothing that ever happened without massive contracts in place. Yes. And that was just normal. Right. And I brought that with me. And so many times an entrepreneur thinks, well, we're friends. Oh. Well, we're just helping each other. We're trading services mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they don't. And I'll be the first one to tell you, I learned this from the lawyer that I worked with in corporate. It doesn't have to be fancy, but it does have to be in writing. Absolutely. Absolutely. It needs to be in writing. It has to be 
uh, signed as well. So signed as well. Yes. Think, you know, an email doesn't quite get you there either. But, you know, there are people who are proud of the fact that they don't use agreements because that's the nature of the relationships that they have with the people that they work with. And unfortunately, you know, I mean, people can get away. I mean, there's all sorts of things you can get away with, right? I mean, at the end of the day, but, um, but if you want to build a business one that maybe you want to sell someday, or if you want to just expand what you're doing, like sometimes you're doing one-on-one work, like no one's going to notice if you got a couple of clients, but if you start selling something to the public, people are going to start noticing. So you will hit a wall if you get big enough. Well, if you don't have your pieces in place. Yeah. The contract is not for when everybody's happy. Yeah. Yeah. The contract, yeah. you know, you might go back to the scope of work when everyone's figuring out, okay, how are we going to do this? Is this included? Is it not included? Mm-hmm. You know, if there's a scope of work in the contract, okay, you might refer back to it to see what's going on. But 99% of the time, the contract is for when things go bad or when they yeah. come to an end. Right. And keeping things on track, right? When you have everyone's expectations are clearly laid out, everyone benefits from that. Um, and so, yes, you know, let's say you have that email scope of work. And so everyone can see, you know, these are the deliverables. This is the timeline. This is the amount. But what you will be missing is in the event of a dispute about, you know, I think I own it and I think, you know, I'm the graphic designer. I think I can now use this design for another client and you're. Or and I can hold no, it hostage because or... I'm mad at you. Yes, you know, exactly. let's face it, that's exactly. what really happens. <laughs> exactly. Then you have, you're in a world of trouble. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So I'm curious what you hear. Like, why do people not do this? Why do not? Why don't more people? We know we live in a litigious society. We know that because it's on the news all the time. Right. <laughs> we know this. We know Most of us know what we should do in terms of, hey, there should probably be some formal agreement. Mm -hmm. But what's the biggest sticking point? Like, People are afraid. They feel like it's adversarial. Like if I present you with this piece of paper and ask you to sign it, then I'm saying I don't trust you. And that, no, maybe it's the same thing that people who don't sign prenups. Like then I'm, I'm, you know, suggesting that we're going to break up and right. we're going to have this contentious. I, I'm uh, jinxing uh, us, right? Yes, I'm jinxing, jinxing us. Right? Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But it is not. And honestly, you know, there is not a professionally run business in the United States that does not expect and respect <laughs> receiving a services agreement, period. There's not a single one that you're going to piss off. And if you do, that's not your client, by the way. Right, right. That's a, you know, that's a really good point. When I, when I have people sign contracts, I literally will say, okay, this and this, and this is what happened. You're going to get the contract because you are giving me money. So we want to make sure that this is all exactly what it should be. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. And so I tend to frame it that way so that they see this is for them, not just for me, by the way, I am a huge one of my pet peeves is a unilateral contract. Like when that first, right. Is that not, you want to talk about, is that not the rudest thing you could do to somebody when, you know, you start this relationship. And so to your earlier point, they think it's, they're going to be adversarial. There is absolutely a way to do this. That's extremely adversarial in nature. And that's by sending someone a contract that benefits you and just 
doesn't even take them into consideration. Oh, that does make me insane. I don't, you know, as someone who reviews them all the time and sometimes the client never sees them. And my temptation to say when it's totally, you know, one-sided, like, you know, I don't know if you want to do business with these people. I never do. Right, but don't you think (laughs) Why would you do that right from the beginning? I know, I know. But what you mentioned is that a a contract does not need to be complicated. It does not need to be a treatise. And, you know, if you work with, you know, big corporate, you probably receive some. Or Apple, if you've bought an Apple product. (laughs) Yeah, well, don't even talk about those. I mean, you don't even just just click and pay your money. Forget about it. But uh, yeah, but if if you're a a consultant or a coach who works with, you know, have corporate clients, they probably have a standard services agreement that they're going to send to you. And some of them can be super complicated. Um, but we, we, it's kind of the cost of doing business with big corporations. With the big corp, right. And right. so um, hopefully you're, you're charging enough. If you're working with big corps, you better be charging enough to be able to make sure that, that you're covered with those. And then if you are working with uh, smaller businesses, it can be super simple. It's your, your template. It can be super simple. simple. There's no reason for it to be complicated. Absolutely. So. Loving what you're learning here and interested in more? Check out our free Facebook group and join us at Conquer Your Business Community to find even more tips and tools designed to help you get out of reaction mode and into conquering your own business. So I'm going to back up all the way on you and explain why how do you go from working at Warner Brothers to like, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't, here's the thing. I was in big fancy corporate as well. I, you know, I always laugh. I left a six figure, not difficult job with people I loved. That's not the conversation you want to have with your mother. <laughs> right. So <laughs> That's great. (laughs) How do you end up going from that to deciding I want to help entrepreneurs, the most, one of the most annoying groups of people to try. (laughs) I mean, we're, we're, if you want ducks in a row, we're not your group. We're herding cats. Like, (laughs) that's funny. Well, that it was an evolution, honestly. So when I first left, um, what was then Lionsgate or what is now, but, uh, after they acquired Artisan, which is the company that I worked with. Um, I decided I was living in LA and I was kind of ready to leave anyway. It was a time of life. It was, I was in my late thirties and trying to figure out what would be next anyway. And I ended up coming back to the East coast, which is where I'm from and, uh, to Northern Virginia outside of DC. I and love, by the way, I grew up spending my summers in Rockville, Maryland. Oh yes. At yes. The, near the white foot mall, which I understand uh-huh. is not there anymore. Yes. <laughs> and just to age myself, I saw adventures and babysitting at the theater at the white. Foot mall. <laughs> so I totally know where you are. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I, I grew up going to Springfield mall, which is not there anymore. And that, you know, is now. so yes. <laughs> are any malls left? I don't even know. <laughs> and uh, so at the time, you know, I've, you know, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do, but, um, but I ended up working with my old company, like so many of us who kind of go out on our own. And, uh, and then you get a call from your old boss, like, Hey, what are you doing? Hey, I've got some projects for you. And suddenly I'm, I'm working for myself. 
you know, and, and so that has been essentially my business for the last decade or so. And so then I had a child, I had my kid in 2006. And so it really was a lifestyle choice to just continue to work with my whale clients. And there's not another way to describe it than that. Mm -hmm. Um, Who were, you know, in the film and publishing and, and market research. And, and then the specific pivot that I've made to working with female founders in particular of, of service-based businesses was a little thing called the 2016 election when, yeah, when it became super clear to me, and it's embarrassing to realize it took that for me to kind of go, you know, in order to really have an impact and a voice in this country, you need money. <laughs> you need, you can't. And so how, like, how do I get more wealth in the hands of people who care about the things that I care about. And it was clear, you know, one of those groups is, you know, to me, wealth in the hands of women can change the world. You know, Mackenzie Scott, I said Mackenzie Scott is my spirit animal. And, you know, look at the way that she uses her wealth versus how some other very wealthy people use their wealth. Absolutely. And, uh, and so like, how, how can I help women in particular who sometimes undervalue their expertise and aren't thinking uh, as as aggressively, I'm not going to say to treat as aggressively as some men do about you know my exit and maximizing my value. They're thinking about the people that they're taking care of, their family, their employees, their clients, and you know that nurturing um, side. But not, I want to make the sure. The other thing they do is they don't realize you can do both. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that right? is like it's not either or. It's not either or. Absolutely. And so that became my focus. Is, okay. it. it took a while for me to figure out, like, how do I use my big company experience to work with a different demographic? But I'm like, okay, I know IP. That's what they got. I can help them. And Love so that's, that was the transformation. Absolutely. And it, it yeah. is. And I don't want to consider women disenfranchised because to the extent other groups are disenfranchised, it, you know, mm-hmm. different groups. But. People don't, we have the same legal system. Mm -hmm. And I think the people forget that the legal system that protects person A can also, when done right, can Mm -hmm. also protect person B. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how do you tap into it? Yeah. How do you tap into it so that you're not subjected to it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is step one is to make sure that you're protected. And then, but step two is also to make sure that you're building assets so, I mean, the key to ask to wealth is ownership, you know, whether it's real estate, like owning, and then you get, uh, uh, you know, the appreciation on it or, um, or, you know, uh, uh, trying to think of business assets. I'm so steeped in intellectual property assets. I can't even think of <laughs> Do you own the building? Do you own the Thank you. And, uh, but it's the same thing with our expertise is that either we're just selling our time, you know, people say, hey, I need you to, you know, create a logo for me and I create a logo for you and you pay me for my time. Where's the asset that I'm building there, right? And so at the end of this, say you do that for 20 years, what do you have at the end of that? Versus making sure that you're creating, you know, systems around, like maybe you have a unique way of, of, you know, okay, someone's in, you know, a green industry and I have this process for that. Someone's in, uh, you know, the auto industry and I have a process for that, or, you know, or you're a consultant and, you know, maybe you just come in and you just do some trainings for them or, or facilitation, or you create your own trainings and you make sure that you have something that 
you can um, sell multiple times and that when you're ready to leave, you know. Well, and to your earlier point, I think people miss that opportunity because A, they're undervaluing what they do. Mm-hmm. And also they don't realize it because one of the things, one of the constant conversations I'm having is just because something is easy for you doesn't mean it has less value. It has more value. Absolutely. Absolutely. But we, right. We think if something's easy to do, maybe it's not that valuable. And what you don't realize is no, it's easy for you. Doesn't mean the rest of us can do it. Right. And, and, and that adds to undervaluing ourselves. Yeah. I mean, it's easy for you because you're the expert, right? (laughs) And so how do we package up that expertise in a way that is decoupled from your time and that can also work without you? Like, you know, yes, you are the expert, but but I like to say like you're transforming your business from an expert-based business to an expertise-based business. Oh, I love that. That way we're separating the two because the expertise can live separately from you. And it's, it's also not easy. I I have a, one of my mentors is a high-end coach and she's fantastic at what she does is going through this process for one of her products that she's offering mm-hmm. that is drawing her expertise out of her yeah. and systematizing it. And she, who has been doing this for years, who is really good at what she's doing is going, oh my God, this is hard because she yeah. does it so instinctively. Yeah. So I think having that third, so when I left corporate, I said my biggest fear was the lack of collaboration because I had a very collaborative corporate environment. You know, mm-hmm. love the cat. Surprise, she's not on the podcast. She's usually here, but she doesn't have great ideas. So me <laughs> sitting here with the cat is not going to help. But that's why working with somebody to draw that out of you is mm-hmm. going to be so much more effective than me sitting here with even a pad of paper going, well, how do I do that? Yes, yes. So I just yeah. do <laughs> and, and, and yeah, and that's key to if you ever want to go on vacation, say, if you ever right. want to, you know, whether you want to grow with employees, you know, you need to have those things in place so that they can do things without you. Or if you want to grow without employees by putting together some sort of product or something that you can sell so that you can grow without. Yeah. I love it because it's taking everything I do believe about growing a business and needing systems and procedures to scale Mm -hmm. and then taking it one step further to make sure you own all of those things so that you can then um, earn the money that you deserve off. Right. Right. Absolutely. And the thing that I like to say about intellectual property is that it is a legal monopoly. Right. And so when you have intellectual property rights, that's something you own exclusively. And what is more valuable than an asset that you own exclusively? So that's love it. Yeah. So if people want to, you know, talk to you about this, and I highly, highly recommend that they talk to you about this. I mean, like, seriously, what is the best way for them to find you outside of, you know, obviously we'll put all of the show notes in there, but if they're just listening, what's the easiest way for them to find you? Yeah. Look for me on LinkedIn. That's the easiest because I'm Aaron Austin. I've been on there so long that I am the Aaron Austin. For me, Aaron, <laughs> Aaron Austin. <laughs> yeah. It was ghost town when I first went on there. And, uh, and so you can hang out, see me there. And so I post frequently there. And, uh, but you know, if you, if you want more of me, which hopefully you do, I also have a podcast called hourly to exit that you can find on all your podcast channels. And, uh, and then I have an, an email newsletter that you can sign up for as well. 
and and oh, I'm I'm known as kind of the graphics queen. I think self-titled, frankly, but I like <laughs> I like I mean, what other lawyers like great graphics to make things really simple so everyone can digest it. But it's one of my favorite things to do is take complex ideas and put them in some sort of graphics that's or infographic. That's and, not yeah. my skill. I can yeah. do words, but that's not my skill. So <laughs> have at it. That's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing your information with everyone. I don't. Um, we have such alignment and I absolutely believe that people need to do what they need to do to be in charge of their own lives instead of waiting for other people to decide things for them and your approach to entrepreneurship and getting money in women's hands um, is very much in alignment with that. So thank you so much for sharing your time, sharing your information. um, And hopefully seriously, everybody reaches out. Thank you so much, Aaron. It's been wonderful. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Ready Yet podcast. I truly enjoy bringing these stories of success and inspiration to you. Please join us in our mission to empower entrepreneurs to be in charge of their businesses and in charge of their lives by sharing this with anyone you know who would benefit from our tactical and motivating advice, leaving us a review, and letting us know if there are any particular topics you would really appreciate hearing about. See you next time.